Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey guys. Hope everybody's doing well. Happy wonderful Wednesday. This is Christy Sol, the co-founder of the Post Institute. Coming at you live for a little Post Daily Dose. Um, Big Papa is taking a hiatus. <laughs> He's taking a little week vacation, which I'm very glad for. Um... I think he needed a nice little break. Hey, Mimi, how's it going? So, um, anybody else who's watching, uh, feel free to say hello. Um, so, I I decided I would just do a quick little dose today and let you guys uh, who are regular followers know what's up because we've not been on Post Daily Dose all week. So, Brian's taking a little vacation and Marley and I actually are uh, on the road because she is taking Drava's Ed which is so awesome. So uh, for those of you who don't know, um, my daughter Marley is mobile by wheelchair. Hey Suzanne, hey Tracy, nice to see you guys. And so uh, we had to uh, travel away from home uh, and stay, we're staying in a hotel and she's doing a driver's ed boot camp because there's only one company in the state that I live in that has um, a vehicle that is wheelchair accessible with hand controls. So she's getting a little driver's ed boot camp and you know, since I'm outside and she can't hear me, I am just gonna brag a little mom brag because she took her permit test today and she passed it. So yay, she is moving towards independence and um, it's pretty exciting. You know, of course, a little scary, a little scary, a little exciting, a little scary, a little exciting. So anyway, today I wanted to uh, come on and talk just a little bit about advocating for your children. Um, so there's an example. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you, um, initially uh, when I first started looking into what it was going to take to help Marley have driver's education, um, just finding the resources was sort of like finding a needle in a haystack. And I just happened to by chance call the right place and talk to the right woman and she gave me a list. She's like, okay, so I've been working for this organization for uh, 30 years. So I'm gonna tell you everything I know. And I, so I got my notebook out and I made a whole list. Hey, Ashley, a whole list of people that, you know, it's like when you find that person, when you find that person who knows something about something, you just wanna like, find out everything you can. And I'll tell you, I know sometimes when you are looking for solutions for your children who have unique needs, it is, um, gosh, the amount of research that you can put into it, the amount of time that you can put into it. And you know, the internet helps and it's wonderful. You can Google and search and find things and that's great, but it's not everything. You know, especially when you're dealing with like state agencies and things like that, where phone numbers and um, you know, people who were in positions or not in positions, and especially now with COVID, a lot of people in their state and state agencies aren't even in their offices. And so, you know, trying to accomplish those things, I just want to take a big breath is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to take a big breath because it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I know you guys work really hard. And so I just want to, you know, parent to parent let you know that I know that that is something that you guys spend, often spend a lot of time, a lot of energy doing, and I appreciate that. I value for you, value you for it. I get it. I understand it. I also understand sometimes it's so frustrating. You know, um, I've said it before. Um, you know, you think of like the bell curve, right? And so the bell curve really applies to 
all aspects of life. So you could have an, a unique need that has to do with your mental health. You could have a unique need related to your physical health. You could have a unique learning need, uh, you know. So we've got this bell curve and if you're at one, any, either end of the spectrum, then it can be very difficult to get your needs met. It's like the world's just not prepared if you're an outlier. And that's the, that's the uh, research term. When you don't fit into the bell curve, you're an outlier. So whether it's because you're gifted and talented or whether it's because you have a learning disability, whether it's because you are the most prolific athlete and you can you know run a sprint in whatever an incredible short amount of time is, or if you are a mobile by wheelchair, if you're an outlier, it's like the world's just not very prepared to meet your needs and you have to if you're a parent you have to work extra extra hard to figure out uh, what's out there for your kids um, and and find a way to crack the code to get those needs met um, so I've been talking to a lot of families about school on that same on that same avenue and I know Brian's talked to some about school and I know he talked about you know just that there's gonna be an elevated level of anxiety with COVID, if your state, no matter, you know, if, if you're doing like a hybrid, most states are doing, a, you can come in person, you can do a hybrid where it's a mixed schedule, you can do all of your education online. They're really, what I see in that is just really empowering parents to try to make whatever decision is best for your child and also for your family. Easier said than done, because you could be uh, an essential employee who would really love to be home with your child, but your work schedule won't permit it. You could be all in your heart saying, I don't even want to send my kid to school. I feel like it's dangerous, da 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 da, da. but I have the kind of job that requires me to be at work, and that's, that's a really tough place to be. Um, I also know lots of parents who uh, are also teachers who have to teach online and also try to figure out how to take care of their three or four kids who are at home and making sure they're taking care of their education. So this, you know, this is tricky business and it's tough. Um, I feel like one of the most important things that you can do is to trust what you know about your child. Trust what you know about your child. You are the expert on your child. Sometimes you might forget that. Sometimes you might get really stressed out. And in that space of being really stressed out, you may feel like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know. But in reality, if you can just, you know, bring it down a notch, you know, maybe after everybody's in bed or before everybody gets up, just spend some quiet time trusting what you know about your child. And as we're talking about school coming, coming back into session, you know, to start writing things down, writing things down that you notice, writing things like their quirks, things that you just think of as quirks, or it could even be things that you find to be challenging behaviors. Start writing those down and think about how that might look in the school system. Or if they've been to school in the past, what were the challenges? Go ahead and write them out and start thinking about what could be solutions. Now I will tell you, well, I'm just gonna digress for a minute because I read the story today online. I'll probably post a link in the comments. It's about a little boy who's eight years old and last year he was um, arrested at school because he hit a teacher. So I'm like, oh wow, you know, I know that that is, um, it's a thing that happens in school. I don't like teachers being hit. I don't like anybody being hit. Um, I sure don't like an eight-year-old kid being arrested either. 
So as I read through the story, I was like, oh, look at this. Mm -mm -mm. You know, Brian always says things are predictable, doesn't he? Challenging behaviors are predictable if you pause and you look at the Z is the behavior. We got the whole alphabet ahead of that, right? So you start looking at the whole alphabet and see what happened. So in this one particular story, oops, excuse me. And that's right. In this one particular story, the situation was that um, there was a, like a substitute fill-in teacher who was um, helping manage the kids in the classroom. And this little boy was having a hard time sitting like he's supposed to. And she verbally redirected him several times and he did not comply so she began to approach him and he's like do not put your hands on me blah 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 and then before any hands were put on anybody he struck her well he's also a child who's on an IEP and this teacher did not know he had special needs so I mean you just go that that's like the equation that that's where the fail that's where the failure happened isn't it that you know in this situation had the teacher known had she been informed then she may have been able to address this very differently or maybe this kid doesn't even need to be having lunch in the cafeteria maybe it's too stimulating maybe it's too overwhelming I mean the first diagnosis that was listed in the article was attention deficit disorder now, you know me, I'm going to be like, yeah, well, it could be ADHD, or maybe he has a history of trauma, and maybe he's hypervigilant. I don't know, but what I will tell you is, for kids who have challenge, for all kids, for all kids, there are certain parts of school that are more challenging than others. For our kids who have sensitive amygdalas, who are um, stress-sensitive, the areas of school that are most predictable for having challenges are that time before school when the kids gather, right? So they may be gathering on the playground, they may be gathering in the cafeteria, but almost all schools nowadays have this thing where everybody gets to school early, the teachers get to go to their classrooms and do their thing, and all of the kids gather before they go to the class. Well, that's all the kids and very few adults. So bada bing bada, well, let's even back up because the bus, if they are bus riders, well, there you have it again. We have a whole bunch of kids with very little adult supervision. In fact, usually you have one bus driver who's supposed to keep all these kids safe. So you know for our kids who are very stress sensitive, who are easily stimulated, easily triggered, that that's just gonna be a challenge. That's just not gonna be a good setup. Then the first thing they do after this bus ride is they go into this cafeteria full of a whole bunch of other kids. That's not gonna be a winner. Okay, so then we have the classroom. Well, you know, there's all kinds of different things that could be challenging in the classroom without a doubt. Um, one thing I can tell you is when you look at classroom behavior management, you've got like stickers and stars and red light, green light stuff. And, you know, like you're on the green at the beginning of the day and you want to try, try to stay green all day or you might get a yellow light or a red light. Uh, point systems, clipping down, all of that is some form of behavior modification plan to try to encourage, coerce, bribe children into having what is considered appropriate behavior for the classroom. So for many of our kids, they'll hear that, they'll be sitting there and the teacher's gonna be explaining all of that. And when they hear prize from the treasure chest, that's all they hear. That's the last thing they heard. And in their heads, they're already winning the prize. They're like king of the universe and pop. There goes the behavior. The very behavior that we were trying to prevent gets activated. 
because some of our kids just they have a very difficult time handling that amount of excitement it's like their bodies don't the, the, the neurological experience of fear and excitement are all sort of on that same vibrational pattern and so sometimes we unwittingly set up situations and scenarios that actually create the very behavior that we're trying to eliminate or avoid so the next areas where you know kids are going to struggle is the hallway and then the bathroom and then recess and uh, the cafeteria especially if your children have any issues around deprivation or neglect um, food issues and then you layer on top of it how loud the cafeteria is how much activity is going on in the cafeteria it's definitely a hot pocket for challenging behaviors and then uh let's see specials um those you know, like art music pe those things that for many are fun um is it's just not um it's just not fun for our kids they just get overstimulated and overwhelmed oh millie davis is watching uh millie was one of our teachers back when we had the post academy in virginia and millie is a brilliant educator she is a brilliant educator for kids who are who have very very difficult needs man it's good to see you so um one of the things that i have found to be helpful in advocating for my own child but also for other kids is um, writing a letter and so the letter may not even be something that you deliver but it helps you to get your thoughts organized um, a lot of times when we go into an IEP meeting or a 504 meeting, it gets so overwhelming. There's so much coming at us, so many questions, or so many, maybe even so many misunderstandings. I know, um, you know, my daughter's um, IEPs. <laughs> oh my God, if we weren't on this in public, I could just tell y'all so many stories about just lack of knowledge. You know it's teachers are just like everybody else they just all they know is what they know you know they don't know everything and they don't know everything about every medical issue and they don't know everything about every special need so we need to give them a ton of grace first of all give them a ton of a grace and also to us give ourselves a ton of grace and we sometimes we have to do some educating and sometimes we will hear um, teachers say things out of their lack of understanding that really hurt our hearts because we love our kids so much and when our kids are misunderstood sometimes we just want to come out fighting you know we just want to come out fighting and uh, you know there's a lot of there's a lot of stories about feeling like uh, schools don't really want to provide the services that are written up on an IEP and all these sort of adversarial types of um, language and relationships and I I know that that happens um, I know a lot of times that happens uh, in school districts. Well, I guess, you know, it can happen in any school district and it can happen for a lot of different reasons. I have found it the most helpful though when I go into an IEP meeting and this is after trial and error. Um, so I'm just gonna confess, it's not always been like this, but when I go into an IEP meeting, I have as much information as I can and even links and things like that that I can direct them to to learn about the specific health conditions that my daughter experiences and then I have a list of things that are her strengths and things that are her weakness and things that we have found in the past that have proven effective and that seems to be a really good 
starting point and I find it better if I write those things down. I also find it really helpful that when I start to get stressed to just simply take a deep breath and say, I'm beginning to get really stressed. This is feeling, uh, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling uh, threatened. I'm not feeling secure about your plan about how you're gonna meet these needs. And you're asking me just to trust that it's all gonna work out, but I'm feeling really anxious, so. And then whatever you need, if it's, can we come back and meet about this again? Can we get some things in writing? Can we write it in a way that's a little more broad or a little more specific or whatever it is that you just encourage you to continue to communicate, continue to communicate so that the needs of your child can be met. And then oftentimes we have to come, we have to, you know, teachers, they get in there in the classroom, the school year gets going on, they start doing however they do. And sometimes the things that are on the IEP are not being taken care of. And we have to pull them back in and say, look, or sometimes it's us, right? Sometimes we get going on about life and we're not doing our parental part of what we said we would do on the IEP. And then the teachers or the school has to pull us back in and say, hey, this is, you know, this is what we need to do. The thing is, is it's a process. And most of the time, most of the time, the school system really is interested in the success of your child. There are, just like everything else that we've been seeing over this last year, you know, with Black Lives Matter and police brutality, there are some people in that profession who are not. There are some police officers who misuse their power, but there are more good police officers than not. There are more good teachers who are truly invested in your child's success than not. So, <laughs> I also want to encourage you, there's some great books that you can share and that you can pick up. Um, Heather Forbes has a fabulous, extensive book about education. I think it's called, uh, titled Educating Billy. Um, if you guys don't know, Brian and Heather um, have been co-authors in the past. They have very similar lines of thought. Her book is phenomenal. Um, on our website, I also have a podcast with her that I did last year I believe might have been the year before there's also a couple of other back-to-school podcasts that are just really really good so I encourage you guys to take a look at those um, the most important thing though is just to trust what you know about your child and to slow down and realize you know quite a bit so much love to you guys um, we'll have a lot more to talk about as we get closer to school beginning um, I know it's chaotic right now. Everybody's trying to make decisions, and just as soon as you think you made a decision, then um, the options change. I know everybody's concerned about the health and well-being of their children, but also of their extended family. And you know, it's every every family is having to make very very difficult decisions. And so, uh, I also want to encourage you guys just to be graceful to one another through this process. That. You know, when, when your friends show back to school pics, to just love on, this is our chance to just love on babies. We don't need to be critical about what their decision is. We don't need to be critical about masking or not masking when we see those pictures. We just need to be cheering those kids on for all that we're worth. So much love to you guys. Take care, take care. And uh, I don't know, I might have a chance to hop on later this week, but uh, it might be next week when Brian's back. So um, thanks for sticking with us and thanks for understanding and um, letting us take care of our needs and our kids' needs. We really appreciate you all. Much love.